If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn to the book of Ephesians. We'll be in the book of Ephesians. This is Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. Paul spent more time in Ephesus probably than any other place uh, in his ministry. Uh, About three years is what we expect. And during that time, he, uh, he not only planted the church in Ephesus and built that church, he also was planting other churches. He was overseeing the work that was being done in the entire region of Asia Minor, especially the churches of Colossae and Laodicea, uh, churches that we read about in other passages of Scripture. He is founding during this time. He's writing during this time a book to the Roman church and the two books to the Corinthian church. All of this going on while Paul is in Ephesus. And in fact, from Ephesus, he launches uh, at least one, if I remember correctly, one of his missionary journeys actually starts there. As he's writing this book, he is, it's hard to imagine that you're in a place working with a particular congregation for a lengthy period of time and not having a heart for the people. Paul certainly had a heart for them. And as he is pouring out his heart, pouring out his life's work, engaged in the work of the city of Ephesus, as he's doing that, right up the hill, they are in the shadow of one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, the temple to Artemis, sometimes called Diana, depending on whether you prefer the Greek or the Roman name. His love for their church is so overwhelming that he breaks forth in worship. Read with me as Paul worships God. Stand as well. Ephesians chapter 3 verses 14 to 21 will be our focus this morning. For this reason, oh yes, almost forgot. This is God's word and if we let it, it will build our future. Ephesians 3.14, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Pray with me. Father, I pray that to you be the glory because great things you have done. Father, this is your time. Speak through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. We are seeking God's vision. And as we seek it, we realize that Prattville needs a family. There are countless stories in our neighborhoods of people who need Christ, who need a church, who need a family. People like Reggie. Reggie's a janitor. Been one practically his whole life. He swears by duct tape and collects parts just in case he needs them later. His truck is a mess. His house is a mess. His life is a mess. 
Who will be the family that will engage Reggie? Who will look past all the mess and care for him? People like Sheila, a single mother of three teenage boys. Don't you feel sorry for her? Her boys are eating her out of house and home, and when they're not eating, they're just driving her crazy. She's out of time. She's out of energy. She's out of hope. Who will be the family that will support her, that will give her the hope that she's desperately seeking for? Chelsea and Andrew are in love, and as they sit at the table, they stare at a positive pregnancy test. They just got married, and now the excitement and the fear all hit them at once. They have no family nearby, no money in the bank, no clue what to do now. Who will be the family that will nurture these two young parents-to-be? Who will help them navigate the days ahead, guiding them with godly wisdom? Bob never thought this day would come. After 40 years of the daily grind, he turns around, carrying the last box from his desk, and looks at his empty office and asks, Now what? Work has been his life. And now he must adjust to a life with no reason to get up early, no co-workers to interact with, and no purpose for even being around. Who will be the family who will engage God in an eternal purpose that far exceeds where he's been spending his life? Prattle needs a family. We are that family because we are God's family. Versus, uh, as Paul is talking to the Ephesian church, he's, he's telling them what it's like to be part of the family as he's praying for these things. He's kind of revealing the types of things that God does in his family. Look in verses 3, uh, 3, 14, 15. For this reason, for what reason? Paul has just been talking about his ministry. About the fact that we are saved by grace through faith. We'll talk about that next week. And that, that in the course of his life that God has revealed all of his wisdom. Wisdom that he had hidden from prophets of days gone by. That he's finally put it all together in a way that we could see God's grand plan through the ages. And he's given it to Paul and to all of us. Given it to us so that we can then go out and proclaim it. We can be ministers of the gospel. Whether you're vocationally a minister or not, God has given us a gospel and he's sending us out with it. And it's that reason, it's the reason that God has shown him all of his wisdom, all of his glory, all of his plan of salvation for humanity and made him a co-partner in that work. That Paul is driven to his knees in worship and praise. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth has been named. God is the one who makes us a family. So, so this, this, this point here, that every family in heaven and on earth is named from God. Now, the one who gives the name is the one who has the authority. The one who gives the name is the one responsible. If, if someone you know has a kid, they have a baby. The hospital person, the person that comes along to, to get the birth certificate information, they don't just ask a random person what the kid's going to be called. No, they, they ask mama and daddy, right? There were a couple of times where I could, I, I remember sitting in the hospital room and someone would come by and what's the child's name? And I thought, 
boy, I have great power in this moment. We get our name from God. Now you might say, but there's a whole people that don't look like God. Yeah, there's a lot of rebellious teenagers. There's a lot of people who are running away from God. A lot of people who know God, but don't want to. Who want to deny the knowledge that they have. There are people who will make up all kinds of concoctions of excuses and reasons not to accept God's authority in their life. There's a lot of rebellious family members, but everyone gets their name from God because he's the one in authority. He's the one in charge. He's the one by whom we have life in the first place. And so he exercises that authority. But there are a couple of aspects of being this family of God. If we're going to be God's family, there's a few things that need to be true. In fact, there's a few things that are true and will be more true as we live. The first thing I want to point you to is that we are adopted by faith. We do not come into this family because we choose to. We do not come into this family because our mother happened to be in this family when we were born. God ain't got no grandchildren. Y'all heard that? Yeah, it's true. He doesn't have grandchildren. He doesn't have nieces and nephews. You know, he's got children. Now, how do we get into this family? We're adopted by faith. Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now he draws the meaning of the means of entering the family. It's through faith. Paul makes it really clear uh, a little bit earlier. Verse you might have heard. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith. Y'all heard that? And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. You see, we enter this family through faith. We enter this family not just through faith in anything. Not just faith in faith. That's just positive thinking. That does you no good. It's not faith in yourself. That does you no good either. It's faith in Christ that brings us into this family of God. We come into this family having faith in Jesus Christ, God's Son. We're going to talk about that more next week. But I want you to see right now, as God's family, He has the right to adopt whomever He wants. He does not have to adopt you because you're so great. He does not have to adopt you because He just wouldn't be complete without you. He doesn't have to adopt you because he feels sorry for you. He chooses to adopt you out of the abundance of his grace and love. We are part of God's family because he has adopted us. He has taken the initiative. He has done the adoption. We have nothing in the matter except to say, here I am. We put faith in Christ and he does the adoption. We are brought into the family by God. I believe God not only brings us into his family, but I believe he, he is, um, I don't want to sound, I don't want to sound too military on this, but I believe he's strategic. Not only does he put us as a family, I think he puts the right people together in the right congregation. You see, I believe God has put each and every one of you into this family that are members of this church. And some of you should be members of this church, but we'll get to that later. God has put each and every member of this church because he knows that you have certain gifts, certain talents, certain abilities, certain resources, certain things that you can do and only you can do. Certain people and contacts that you can make that only you can make. God has put all of us together in this one family on purpose so that we can fulfill the mission that he has for us. Now, does that mean that everybody's here that we will ever need? No. 
but it does mean we got enough to get started. I have been sick and tired of hearing people make excuses about how we don't have this and we don't have that. It ain't about what we don't have. God has put what we need in this family here. And it's enough to start. And God will bring more when the time is right. God will bring the people that need to be here. But we have to be faithful We have to be faithful. We have to be doing what God wants us to do. We have to be reaching out. We have to be sharing the gospel. We have to be inviting. We have to do the right things ourselves. And God will empower those actions and make us the church He wants us to be. We are God's family, not our family. That also means that our focus needs to be not inward, by the way. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go through this month. We are adopted in faith. There's another truth about family. We belong together. You and me, we belong together, Malcolm. Yeah, don't know why, don't know how. <laughs> Verses 17 and 18, look back at 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and rounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. Just as a family belongs together, God's family does too. God puts us together like parts of a body. We need each other. The eye has a need for the hand. The hand has a need for the foot. The foot has a need for the heart. As parts of a body joined together, we, God's family, belong together. We're there are no lone rangers in Christianity. In fact, the lone ranger wasn't even a lone ranger. He had Tonto. What makes, what makes anybody think you can do this life separate from everybody else? We can't. How much more true is that in Christianity? We need each other. We belong together. This rooted and grounded in love, um, at the end of verse 17, can, can you love by yourself? Not very good. You could try to love yourself, but it, man, it looks, well, You can see how it looks. Turn on the news. That's what loving yourself looks like. It looks like complete selfishness and pride. It looks like people that talk out of sides of their mouth. It looks like people that will do anything that they need to do to get ahead, to get another dollar, to get a little more power, to get whatever it is that they're seeking. That's what loving yourself without anyone else in mind does. If you want to love right, though, I don't have someone else. Sequoia trees are magnificent. One, one, um, one type is a redwood. Redwoods are specifically high. Um, the other day, Mitchell and I were uh, arguing, I'll, I'll use the word arguing, about which tree was higher, sequoias or redwoods. Then I found out redwoods are a type of sequoia. So there you go. The tallest redwood in the world right now stands a little over 370 feet high. But see, here's the weird thing about sequoias. You would think trees reaching 100, 200, 300 feet in the air, you would think they would have massively deep root systems, right? I mean, you've got to have a lot of depth to support that much height. Otherwise, lightest wind comes along and that tree goes over. How are these sequoias that are some of the oldest in the world, the tallest in the world, how are they standing tall without a really deep root system? Fact is, only get about an average of 15 feet deep. But here's the thing. Here's how it works. Well, Mitchell, come up here. We belong together, so we're going to speak together. All right, stand beside me. 
Right here. Okay. All right. You ready? Charm in. I'm in. There you go. This is how sequoias stand. Sequoias aren't alone. Their roots wrap around each other. And a sequoia forest is not a bunch of trees. It is one living organism. What's amazing about sequoias, thank you, buddy, what's amazing about the sequoia is that it doesn't have to be deep. It doesn't have to go all the way down, deep, deep into the soil. Because the roots form together, they stand together. We're better together. You, you and me, we, we, we belong together. You see, this is a picture of God's family that is not about I'll do my thing and you do your thing. And every now and then, you know, on Sunday morning, we'll come in here and we'll sing songs and listen to that guy ramble on and then we'll go home and that's it. We'll go back to doing our thing. That's not God's family. God's family, we live life together. One of the beautiful things about the early chapter of Acts is that's what they tried to do. Now, now, granted, some people have completely misconstrued what it says, but that basic idea of they live life together. Every day they were meeting. Every day they were breaking bread. Every day they were sharing resources to provide the needs for each other. They were doing what it took to be together. And it's a beautiful picture of a church. We belong together. We don't belong separate. So we're adopted by faith and we belong together. By the way, there's, a, there's another thing uh, in verse 18. It says that you may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints. God doesn't put intellectuals into the church of God just to be smart. God doesn't put wisdom into certain people in copious amounts just for them to be wise. He puts it in individuals so that they will share. Build up the body. Just as, uh, uh, just as someone who can cook, cooks dishes for fellowship meals, just as someone who can preach, stands and preaches the word, explaining it clearly so people can understand, just so someone who, who just loves folks enough to keep track of them, calling them week after week, sending them cards, sending them letters, going by the house to make sure they have everything they need. All of these types of things, all of these things together make us a church. And it says we comprehend with all the saints as we, as we come to know God's Word and live it out in our lives together that God does the greatest work. The Word, the Christ in the Word of your brother, Bonhoeffer says, is often greater than the Christ in your own heart. We belong together. Now, that right there would be nice enough, but it's still incomplete because the, the command of God isn't just to be together. Think of a family. How many of you have kids that are grown and gone? Okay. How many of you have grandkids that are grown? Any grandkids that are grown? Yeah. It's funny how that happens, isn't it? Kids don't stay kids. They grow. And eventually they go out and have their own families with kids. And those kids grow. If a family isn't growing, something's wrong. When Savannah was little, she wouldn't gain weight. She was born a hefty baby girl. I mean, she, she was, she was, James was the smallest and he was almost eight pounds. Okay. 
She was over nine pounds. This healthy baby girl. But then she wouldn't grow. First couple of weeks, all babies lose some weight. 10% or so, maybe. She had a lot of weight to lose. So no big deal. She's just losing a lot. A month, not, not growing. She's still shrinking a little bit. A couple of months go by. She still isn't growing. She finally starts growing, but it's very slow, and it's way under the curve. She goes from being the top of the curve to being below the curve. And slowly but surely, just kind of keeping up with the curve, kind of, but not quite getting up to it. They call that failure to thrive. We figured out why. We got her on the right formula, and we, we started working her into foods that helped. Now she's where she should be. We don't need to be a family that fails to thrive. We need to grow. And the way we do that is we make disciples. If we're God's family, we've got to be doing God's work. That's how we, that's how we grow. And I don't just mean growing in numbers. I mean growing in spiritual depth. I mean growing in our discipline, our love for God, our exercising of what the Bible says in our daily life. That starts, by the way, not just with making disciples, but with being a disciple. Look in verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. This is what God's work is in this thing we call discipleship. He is granting us to be strengthened. Strengthened for what? His work. Strengthened by what? His spirit. That strength coming from the indwelling spirit and from Christ shows up again in verse 18. Verse 18, may that you may have strength to comprehend. So not only does he strengthen us to do his work, he strengthens us to know him. Verse 19, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. I've read this a thousand times and I've never noticed. He's praying that God would help us know something that's beyond our knowledge. Wait, how can I know it if it's beyond my knowledge? The first no is not the no of the mind. It's the no of the life. It's the experiential knowing. David, uh, uh, in Psalm 34, verse 8, says this of God. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's experience. That's not someone who's been contemplating God. That's someone who's been walking with God. You don't taste and see things that you just read about. You taste and see things that you taste and see, right? That's experience. That's the senses. That's the things that we use to understand the world around us, to interact with the world around us. If we are going to know the love of Christ that we cannot comprehend with our heads, we have to know it through walking with God daily. That's discipleship. It's kids. Acting like daddy, trying to be just like him. That's discipleship. And if we are to be the church that is God's family, if we are to be God's family for those people who need it, for those Reggies and those Sheilas and those Kelseys and Andrews, for that Bob, if we are to be the family they need, we have to be disciples of Christ. Disciples who not just know him, but who show him who make disciples of others. It's not enough to know it in our heads. Discipleship is far more than just having basic facts or trivial knowledge. Discipleship is walking with God and becoming more like Him.
And God is calling us as his family to be disciples who are full of his character, full of his nature, full of his presence, full of his radiance. If we're doing that, if we're passing it on, if we're doing that, passing it on, will just that'll be natural. You can't help it. You ever see a tree strain to grow fruit? You walk by and, and, and there's a pear tree and it's grunting. Trying to get a pear out. Doesn't happen. If it does, get away from that tree. It happens naturally. If we are the disciples that God has called us to be, we'll fulfill his work of making disciples. And we'll do it together because we're God's family. God didn't bring us into this family just to see it die. He brought us in to bring life. We are God's family. We are adopted by faith. We belong together and we make disciples. But so we don't get too big for our britches. I think we have to be reminded of why God has put this family here. It's not for our glory. It's not for our comfort or ease. It's not for our peace. It's not for our happiness. We are God's family for God's glory. Look in verses 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. The fact that we are God's family is incredible for us. We would have never in our wildest dreams conceived such grace, such love demonstrated by the Father. But God isn't doing this for our sake. He's doing it for his. God says through Ezekiel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I deal with you for my name's sake, not according to your evil ways. You see, this was a people that was being taken into exile because of their wicked ways. This is a people who have seen the destruction of Jerusalem because of their wicked ways. This is a people who have been taken far from home, left to disintegrate into the pages of history because of their wicked ways. But God says, I'm not dealing with you because of your evil ways. I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing this for me, for my name's sake. Now, now what did we get? What did God give us? Ephesians 4.15, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. God says, my name is too valuable. So I'm not going to deal with you according to your evil ways. I have dealt with you according to your evil ways. I have given you the punishment that your deeds deserve. But not anymore. The punishment is over. Now I'm going to deal with you for my name. Say, now I'm going to let you glorify me. Now that I've dealt with your sin, it's time for you to be mine. God does it for his glory. He gives us a grace that we cannot deserve just because it glorifies him. That family, this, this family right here at Crestview, it's family for his glory. God wants to be glorified in the life of every single member of this body. And because of us living out that glory, then he can be glorified in the life of every Reggie living in a mess, needs a Christ. For every Sheila who's yearning for a reason to have hope. Chelsea and Andrew who are desperate for guidance and care. For every Bob who needs to know that he ain't dead, so he ain't done. God wants to be glorified in the life of every single member of our community. So I ask you, 
who will be the family that glorifies God in private? We are God's family, adopted by faith in Christ, belonging together through the Holy Spirit in love, making disciples of the nations, beginning right here in Prattville. We are Crestview Baptist Church, and we are that family. Father, I pray, as the one who has given us your name, as the one who has made us a family, the one who has adopted us by faith, who has put us together, and who calls us to be disciples who make disciples of the nations, I pray that we be the family that you are calling us to be. As we approach an invitation, we sure have a lot to think about. There may be someone here who doesn't hasn't known your grace. I pray that you would awaken their hearts to the gospel. I pray that you would speak to them through your spirit. And so by doing that, they would be willing to trust you. Maybe maybe it's someone accepted you and needs to take that first step of obedience, that step of being baptized and joining a church. Pray that you would move them today. Maybe it's someone who's already a part of this family and you've been for a long time trying to get through to them, trying to call them to a deeper walk with you, to a, to a discipleship as opposed to a mere acquaintance. Father, would you work in each and every heart as you need to? Would you root and ground us in love? Would you give us the power through your spirit in our inner being? Would you... Would you give us the strength to comprehend the breadth and width and length and height and depth and know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge? We're your family, God, and we're for your glory. So be glorified in us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.